This is the 2006 Palm Springs Bible School. Brother Anthony Whitehorn's topic is Be Transformed. The topic for the first class is Transformation, What Is It? Well, brothers and sisters, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Oh, lovely. I can tell I'm in America because in the UK you'd have nothing. It'd be completely silent in the UK. Um, and it, it's lovely, really lovely to be here. Uh, as, uh, as Jeff has already, already said, I'm from, from England, from uh, an ecclesia called the Maidenhead Ecclesia. Now, Maidenhead is um, a little town. It would probably be a village as far as you're concerned, but to us it's a town, uh, which is about 20 miles uh, west of London. And um, the Maidenhead Ecclesia, we have around about, about 70 brethren and sisters um, who are members of our ecclesia at Maidenhead. And uh, I, th- I think probably one of the downsides of our meeting is that uh, we only have, within the 70 to 80 members, we only have three brethren and sisters who are retired. So we are a very young meeting. It's great being here. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and to be absolutely honest with you, it's, um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a shame, really, uh, because we, we miss that element of the family. Um, and uh, it, it's lovely, we have lots of children, we have a very big Sunday school and a youth club and, and lots of young families, and that's wonderful. But we do miss um, sort of the, the el- elder statesmen, the senior people uh, in our family, which is sad. So it's lovely to be here. And uh, when I was with the meeting yesterday, uh, I said that I was coming here, and I would say that probably everybody came up to me and said, please send all our love to the brothers and sisters um, at the Bible school over here in California. So I bring with me lots of love from your English brothers and sisters. Uh, and what is really quite fascinating is that when I was at work last week, I was talking to uh, some of my work colleagues, and they asked what I was doing, and I said I was going over to, to um, a Christian conference with my, my church, the Christadelphians, uh, and they said, do you know anybody there? And I said... Well, no, I don't, actually. I didn't know I was going to know Brother Bob, Brother Bob but, uh, and Sister Peggy, but I said, no, I don't know anybody. And they found that really strange, that you didn't know anybody. And yet, already in the space of a few hours, I feel that I already know you. And in fact, I feel that I know you better than probably my work colleagues. So that says something about the fellowship we have, which is wonderful. And uh, that it can cross the boundaries of, of the Atlantic. And as I said, I bring with you lots of love from brothers and sisters at, at Maidenhead and from England. So what are we going to be doing then uh, over this week, God willing? We're going to be looking at the subject of transformation. And I'm sure that you have been in this position whereby, as you go through your life, that become certain subjects which become really interesting to you. And you sort of move through them. Well, at this moment in time, transformation for me is a really fascinating subject. Uh, and I'd like to share some of my thoughts with you. And I'm sure that you've got lots uh, of thoughts as well that I'm sure you can share with me over the week on this subject of transformation. Um, and one of the reasons, I suppose, is that I don't do very much reading of books, and the only books that I do read are factual books, because I like getting information. The interesting thing about this book, this factual book, is it's not a book of information, it's a book of transformation. 
And to me that is so different because this says to me that this is a dynamic book. And sometimes I, I get concerned that too often we look at this book in order to become informed and that we look at the interesting pieces of information. And has it actually changed us? Has it affected our lives? Has it affected the way that we think and the way that we do things? Because if it hasn't, it's no use. So that to me is why this is a book of transformation, not a book of information. So that's why I want to share with you uh, these, these next few days this transformation that we're going to be doing. And this gives you some idea of some of the things we're going to be looking at. Today we're going to be looking at this subject of transformation and asking us this question, what is it? And then on Tuesday, tomorrow, uh, we're going to ask ourselves this question, why should I actually transform? Wednesday we're going to be considering how can I transform? Thursday, a man who was transformed, the man Peter, and what a transformation that was of him. And then on Friday, and an important and a useful uh, subject in which to end our week, the importance of fellowship in transformation. So, I hope, hope you're happy with that. That's relief, I have nothing else that I'm going to give you. So, <laughs> I'm glad there were at least a few nods there. So, um, let's just think, therefore, uh, about this subject. Transformation. What is it? At this moment in time, I have an action plan. And the action plan that I have is a very simple one. It is replacing the cap on the top of the toothpaste at home. Now, as you can probably imagine, um, this action plan was not necessarily devised by me. I have a wife. <laughs> and um, I have progressed because previously I used to squeeze the toothpaste in the middle and now I've moved on and squeezed it at the bottom. And now I have this action plan of replacing the cap on the toothpaste. And uh, I'm getting there, I have to admit. Um, and you know, I, I said to my wife Sally uh, that I was going to start my talks by, by saying this. And she looked at me quizzically and she said, let me tell you, if that's the least of your worries, then you've got a concern there. <laughs> but there is this thing, I have this sort of idea whereby um, a man marries a woman for what he thinks that she is, whereas a woman marries a man for what she thinks that she can change him into. <laughs> I can see there's a few nods around here. Yeah, oh, there's a few hugs of husbands. So, um, but change is fundamental. It's not just women who believe that they can change their husbands. It is a crucial part of our lives. We all know that we go through change, whether it be physical as we get older, but is it spiritual? Change is a necessary part of, of a Christian life. We know that because we talk about spiritual growth, but yet so often we, we forget and we ignore that in, in, in order to grow, we actually have to change. And in a way, that frightens us. And I have, I've appreciated, I'm 46, and I know that I don't like change now as much as I used to when I was younger. When I was younger, I wanted to change everything. But as you get older, 
So there are fewer and fewer things that you want to change. And so the challenge for us is just to continue to look at changing ourselves. Because as we get older, so we seem to be happier in remaining in the state in which we find ourselves. And that's the challenge. You see, I have a proposition to you, and it's this. The proposition is this, that the primary goal of spiritual life, whatever age we happen to be, is that of human transformation. Let me say that one more time. The primary goal of spiritual life, whatever age we are, is spiritual transformation. Now, it, it, it's, um, it's not trying to get a richer interior life, although that's a really good thing. It's not getting lots of good information from the Bible. Again, a good thing. Our first goal in life is one of reclamation, reclaiming the reason for which you and I were made. And that's our responsibility. Reclaiming the reason for which we were made. Take, take, take your mind back to that time in creation. There was God. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he goes on and creates, obviously, the form and then the context. And then he puts the things within it. And everything, on every day that he did something, he says, God did this and it was good. And so it was. When he made you and me. When he made the first man. He made man in our image, he says. And it was good. And we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to try and transform back to that, back to that situation that God had in his great plan at the very beginning of time. When he looked at man and said, that's very good. And then we had the fall. And now all the time we are trying to transform back to that first point. So, what it is, it's the primary goal of spiritual life. And secondly, it's this. It's a full-time, a 24-7 activity. Um, I don't know about you, but there are certain times when, when I focus on it. It's the Sunday, it's, it's the Wendy Bible class, it's um, when we have our Bible reading group on the Tuesday. They're the times when I focus on it. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It doesn't say, and I want you to focus on this on Sunday morning and evening, Tuesday night and Wednesday night. It's a 24-7 activity. And that's our challenge. The first challenge is, this is the primary goal, to change. And it's something that we don't particularly like. And the second challenge is, we've got to be doing it all the time. So, let's try and understand a little bit more of this meaning of transformation. And uh, um, let's get into the Bible. 
Let's turn to that reading that we had uh, from the book of Romans and chapter 12. And it's always hugely important for us to understand the meanings of, of these specific words. Because so often we can get uh, you know, a little bit, um, something lost in some of that translation. It actually reminds me of a story, this. Um, I, have a, I have three children, and uh, my daughter, who's now 14, when she was at Sunday school, she was around about uh, four when she was at Sunday school. And she came out of Sunday school, and um, when she came out, I said to her, Abigail, how did you get on? Yes, it was really good, thank you, Daddy. So, so what did you learn about, Abigail? And she looked up at me and she said, Well, Daddy, I learned about the ten tigers. I'm thinking, what are they teaching in Maidenhead Sunday School? The ten tigers. Yes, Daddy, are you sure that you, taught, you learned all about the ten tigers? Yeah, the ten tigers and Jesus. The ten tigers and Jesus. Are you sure about this? And she then, she then got a little bit concerned. She said, oh, no, oh no, she said. They weren't tigers, they were leopards. <laughs> leopards? Yeah, she said, the ten leopards that went to Jesus and had their spots taken away. <laughs> and of course, she'd never heard of a leper before. And she thought throughout the whole of this, this Sunday school lesson, there were ten leopards that went up to Jesus and had their spots taken away. So isn't it important that we just make sure that we understand exactly and communicate exactly the right message. So we're not talking about the ten leopards, we're talking about the ten lepers. And here it is in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, we've got... Um, uh, Romans is just a wonderful book. It's, uh, it's the book whereby um, uh, uh, the writer then looks at uh, 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 this here and says, I-, I need, I need, Paul says, I need to be able to almost summarize the gospel. And he, he does this in this wonderful book of Romans. And then, after the first 11 verses, first 11 chapters, he says, I beseech you, therefore, because of what I've told you in these first 11 chapters, therefore, because of this, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. A day to day. Not, not just on a Sunday, not on a Wednesday night, but an everyday sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your acceptable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's a command. I beseech you, I urge you, I implore you. This is Paul talking to us here in California. He's saying, I implore you. I implore you to change. And in what way? 
Well, um, is there anybody here, just out of interest, who knows anything about Greek? Fabulous. That really, that, I tell you, that's great, that. I can say anything now, can't I? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I was doing one of these talks and somebody put their hand up and I'm thinking, oh no, and that's the last thing you want because you say something, they say, no, you don't say it like that. So, um, this is um, Romans 12, verse 1 to 8. And you know, I know, that, that this word here is metamorpho. It is the word transformation. Metamorpho. And it means to change into another form. That's the word. And of course, from it we have the word metamorphosis. From a little caterpillar to a butterfly. And Bob's done a number of talks on this. You've probably seen the little caterpillar and he produces the butterfly. But they're, they're completely different, aren't they? They are absolutely different. The caterpillar and the butterfly. And that has gone through the stage of transformation. And Paul is saying to you and me, I urge you not to look like the caterpillar, because that's what you used to look like, but to now look like the butterfly. And the wonderful thing is, of course, is that when God, you know, God doesn't do the, the, in creation, he just gives us lots and lots of examples. He didn't do that ad hoc. Why, why did he make a caterpillar go into a butterfly? The major reason I put to you is because he's trying to teach us a spiritual lesson. He's saying, let me, let me just show you what I mean by transformation. Something that's a bit this long and hairy and goes like this. Something that's absolutely beautiful and flies. Now, that is a serious change, and that's what I want you to do. Like a little tadpole that is underwater. And it can't actually come out of the water, but the frog doesn't live underwater, it lives above the water. That's a remarkable change. And it's gone through metamorphosis. And the wonderful thing is, probably, is that it's gone from something that's really quite dull to something that's really quite beautiful. And something that's completely different. And there's another challenge for us. Are we completely different from the time that we went through the waters of baptism? Morph, that, that part of it there, morph. Morph literally means an inward change. And compared that to the word underneath, suscomatizo, um, which means conformed and is an outward change. So, got to say, I, I don't care what you look like. Paul is writing to you and me and saying, I looking inside. And too often we as individuals look at what we do, but God is only interested in why we do it. Regularly we will, we will judge other people by the outputs. God actually is not that interested in the outputs. He's interested in the inputs. He's interested in the motives. He's interested in the inward person. And that's what he's saying to you and me, morph, change. And this word, metamorpho, happens, of course, in Matthew 17. Don't look it up, you know what it is. It's the account of the transfiguration. And that is the word, metamorpho. When Jesus was transfigured, he was transformed. And that's what we're asked to do.
we are asked to be transfigured. And what happened when Jesus was transfigured? It says, his face shone like the sun, his clothes were white as light, and he put on heavenly glory. That was a dramatic change. And this word here, metamorpho, what is the tense that is used here in Romans chapter 2? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That is not now, that is not the future, that is not the past. This word here is actually an ongoing word. It's a continual word. It's not something that you're going to do. It's not something that you're just doing now. It's not something that you've done. It's something that you will continually do. It is a process. This life is a process of transformation. And if you almost want to summarise your life, that would be a lovely summary. The process of metamorpho, of being transformed. But it is a complete and a fundamental and an ongoing, a 24-hour change in your life. My, my father used to say to me, and isn't it interesting, that um, as I've got older, so it seems my father has got wiser. But my father always used to say to me, it's not how far you've got that's important, it's how far you've come. And that's what we've got to be doing with ourselves. That's our responsibility in our Christian life. Look back now at the time when we were baptised, when we put on the saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we started on this journey. Are we different? Are we different from them? Because that's the challenge that we have. Have we gone through this transformation? Some of, um, some of you may have heard of, um, I, I remember it, it was um, around about ten years ago, there was uh, little characters, uh, cartoon characters called Power Rangers. Some of you may have heard of them, certainly we had them in the UK. Uh, and it was, it was the, sort of the mid-90s. And my children were around about six, seven, eight, around about that time. And uh, basically these were cartoon characters who would change and become superhuman. And uh, when they did that, they used to shout out, it's morphing time. And my children used to run around the house going, it's morphing time. <laughs> and guess what? It's morphing time. It's morphing time for you and me. That's what this life is. It's an opportunity to reclaim the purpose for which we were made. When God said, that's good, that's very good. So that's what transformation is. It's the inward change. It's the reason that we do things should change. Let's compare to the bottom one there. Uh, Suska Matizo. And that's another word in there. In verse 2, and be not conformed. And conforming is the outward appearance. It's this suscomatizer. And, and that's what we're good at. We're good at conforming. We're good at responding to the environment. We're good at being thermometers. 
as Bob would say, we should be thermostats. That's how we are. We respond to the environment. We blend in. That is the natural man. But God doesn't want us to blend in. He doesn't want us to conform. He wants us to transform. And they are remarkably different. The church at Laodicea, out of all those seven churches to whom John wrote, the church at Laodicea seems to be given the greatest castigation. Why was that? Because they were lukewarm and they conformed. They blended in. And we as individuals, it is, isn't it easy to blend in? Isn't it easy to conform? That the, the challenge is not be like the church at Laodicea, but to inwardly change. I, I want us now to think about the 11 chapters prior to this. Because this is the conclusion. Because it says, I beseech you, therefore, writes Paul. So what's the 11 chapters said beforehand? The 11 chapters, here's a bit of a summary of Romans. Here it goes. It says this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come off the stage here. I'm sure, hopefully you can hear me. Right. This is how we were. We were in a state of wrath, it says in Romans. That's what Paul says. You are in a state of wrath. That's not anger. That's in a state of God's righteous judgment, i.e., we get what we deserve. That is the state of wrath. That we are subject to God's righteous judgment. So that was the position that we are all in. Whether you are Jew, Gentile, we are all, were all in this state of wrath. And then something changed. And we were moved from down here in this state of wrath under God's righteous judgment. And of course, it shows that everybody sins. And therefore, God's righteous judgment says, you're going to die. And we've been moved from down here in a state of wrath to up here in a state of grace. And we have now been justified. In other words, if it were a court of law, the court of law would look at us, every one of us, each of us, and look at it and say, yep, have you committed this crime? And we'd say, yes, we have. The verdict is... Not guilty. Why? Because the sentence has already been paid for us. Now, it's a little bit difficult for us to sometimes appreciate that because the whole of society works on the basis of you get what you deserve. For instance, I say to my children, if you work hard for your exams, you deserve to get a good result. At work, we say, if you do a good job, you deserve to get a pay rise. 
If you do a very, very good job, you deserve to get promoted. That's how society works. You get what you deserve. And it's unfair, isn't it? When someone who doesn't get to do a good job gets promoted, that's unfair. Actually, grace is unfair. Because fairness is in the state of wrath. That's where we get what we deserve. But up here in a state of grace, we get what we don't deserve. And that's very different from mercy. Mercy is, you don't get what you deserve. And grace is, you get what you don't deserve. That's why grace is so beautiful, so special. And because of this, we are justified. We are the word righteous. Something that we've done, we have been made righteous. We've been moved from wrath down there to grace up here. And what does righteous mean? Righteous means, not that I'm right, it means being put right with God. And that's what this state of grace is. And we have moved from the state of wrath to the state of grace. But up here, in this state of justification, and that's important that we, we appreciate that this is a state. Justification is the state that we are in. By God's grace, we are here. We have been put right with him. Through his love and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We now have a responsibility up here in this state of justification. And this responsibility is a process of sanctification. So there's words that we don't use in our everyday life, aren't they? We're in the state of justification, but we have a responsibility to become sanctified. That's an act. And to become holy. To become separate. And it's a process of getting back to what God made us to at the beginning. That's the state of sanctification. The process of sanctification. So, that's what the first 11 chapters I put to you is all about in Romans. That what God has done for us by putting us in this state of grace, we therefore, I beseech you, should now become sanctified. Change transformed. Go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Something totally different. But brethren and sisters, it takes time, doesn't it? But time is nothing to God. Just think about it. He took the children of Israel out of Egypt and they came to a stretch of water the Red Sea. And what did they do? They stole this stretch of water and they turned to Moses and they turned to God and said, what have you done? We're going to be killed here. Here come the Egyptians. They're going to kill. Why have you done this to us? And Moses got his staff and stretched it out and the waters parted. And they went through on dry ground. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Not, not muddy ground, it was dry ground. And that's how wonderful God's miracles are. 
they're even more than we expect. They went through on dry ground. And God looked at that people and he thought, I'm taking them to the promised land. Just as he's looking at you and me and saying, I'm taking you to the promised land. But you've got to change. Uh, from the Red Sea to the Promised Land was an 11-day journey, but it took 40 years. It took a lifetime to change that people. And so it takes a lifetime for you and me to change. And the next time this people came to a stretch of water was 40 years later. And it was springtime, and the snow on Mount Hermon was melting and therefore the river Jordan was in full flood and when the river Jordan was in full flood and flowing fast it was a dangerous place to be and God turned to Joshua and he said to Joshua walk walk into the water and so the Levites put the ark on their shoulder and they walked this was a changed people Previously, when they'd come to a stretch of water, they'd seen a barrier. Now they trusted God. And the minute that their ankles touched the water is the minute that God stopped the water up at Adam and they walked through on dry ground. This was a different people. This was a people that was transformed. And yes, it was a physically different people saved too but it was a spiritually different people and it took 40 years to become transformed to change transformation takes a lifetime God is looking at us and on each of us there's a little number and that number is our wilderness trip and only God knows it it's the length of time that we have on this earth and the responsibility to be transformed. It's our time in the wilderness to learn to trust God. For how was Abraham made righteous? By faith, by trusting God. It was a lifetime of building up trust in God. He was transformed as we build up a lifetime of trust in God to be transformed. And our life is a, is, a, is a wonderful life because God is intimately involved in it. Because he looks at it just like he did. I, I look at Joseph. And Joseph is a beautiful example of God being in control. You start off over here at Joseph being the favoured son. Right up here. And he was given a beautiful coat. Things look up. But his brothers hated him. In fact, so much so that they threw him into a pit. And he was sold into slavery. But he was bought by what seemed to be quite a good man, Potiphar. And he was then actually made head of Potiphar's household. But then Potiphar's wife got involved and he was thrown into prison. And then from down here, he interpreted the dream of the butler and the baker. 
And he said to the butler, remember me. And of course his dreams come true. But it took two years, beautiful little phrase that, two years later. Two years, what were you doing two years ago? How did Joseph feel two years on? He's thinking, did that butler ever remember me? And two years on, the butler goes, Pharaoh, there's a guy, there's a guy I met in prison. He can interpret your dream. Two years later, the dream was interpreted and he was made prime minister. And that's what God wanted. God wanted to save his people by having Joseph being prime minister. But it was a series of this, a series of transforming experiences. And God was in control. And so it is in our lives. Our lives are all about transformation. God being in control, us appreciating what God is trying to teach us in this life of transformation. And some of those li- some of those experiences that we have in our life, they're hard, aren't they? But have you ever thought of the pearl? How is the pearl made? The pearl is made by a little bit of grit getting into the oyster and irritating it. And of course then what happens is that gradually the oyster makes more and more layers to stop the irritation and ultimately we have the beautiful pearl. And that's what it's like in our lives. We go through these series throughout our lives of transforming experiences and transforming lessons in our life of transformation, in our life of metamorpho. But transformation is unnatural. Let's just have a quick look at Galatians chapter 5. Because this is, this is a little bit the introduction for tomorrow's thought. Um, because in the book of Galatians, uh, we have this lovely experience um, where Paul talks about uh, life by the Spirit. In verse 19... It says, this is how you are naturally. This is before you've been transformed. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension and factions. Envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's what our session tomorrow is going to be about. You see, we are all like this glass. This glass is always, always full. It is either full of air, and that's our natural position, or we can displace it with water. And that is the spirit. And that is what we are like. 
And our process of transformation is displacing the natural tendencies by being filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And it's, it's an unnatural thing. Those things we're going to talk about tomorrow are unnatural. I, uh, it reminds me of, um, in, in part of my job, I have to wear um, contact lenses. Um, uh, it, I, have, I use an auto cue for certain things. And it's just at the wrong, wrong uh, uh, level for me. So I put in contact lenses. Now, I don't know if of you have ever, ever tried to put on contact lenses. Let me tell you, yes, it's terrible. It's completely unnatural. I remember I went to the, uh, to the optician and, um, and put this contact lens thingy on my finger. And, and I'm going like this. And I'm getting further and further away from it. <laughs> I don't want to be poking myself in the eye. That is not a natural thing to do. And, and I ended up, after an hour, crying. And all these little contact lenses stuck all over my jumper. It is so unnatural. But it does help you see. And that's what we've got to do with our transformation. Is do things that are unnatural. Look at those things that are unnatural. And it'll help us see more. And just beware. Beware of what I call pseudo-transformation. What is pseudo-transformation? Pseudo-transformation is a bit lo- like uh, suscomatizo, conforming. Uh, it, it's a bit, bit like this situation when there was a, a little boy at Sunday school. And um, he was asked this question when he was at Sunday school. And he was, a, he was a, I don't know, he was about sort of seven, six or seven. And the teacher said to him, Johnny, tell me, Johnny, what is brown and furry and has got a long tail and stores up nuts. And Johnny looked at the teacher and said, Well, miss, I know the answer's Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. (laughs) And that's it, isn't it? We try to do and to say the right things without actually changing inside. We try and give the right answers. We try and conform. And that's the challenge that we've got in our Christian life. What is transformation? Transformation is trying to be what God made us for originally. Reclaiming that original template that God made. And God's given us a wonderful template. And that template is the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever we think about transforming, just think about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I I, I read a, 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 a lovely book once. It was called In the Steps of Jesus. And it, I can't remember too much about it, but it was a very simple message, because I'm a simple sort of person. And this was the message. It said this. Whenever you think about doing something, ask yourself this question. What would Jesus do? And you think, well, I don't know what Jesus would do. You absolutely know what Jesus would do. That's why we've got this wonderful book. 
because it's a dynamic book and it helps us understand the personality of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every time you look at doing something, ask yourself this question. What would Jesus do? And I'll tell you what, you will know the answer. And when we continually ask that question, and when we continually answer it correctly, then we're being transformed. And that's what I hope we'll get more into later on this week. Thank you.